Hello, friends. This is Derek Kistner, founder and executive director of the Greater Peoria House of Prayer. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Whether you're hearing from me, my wife Mandy, or a trusted leader, it's my hope that it would serve you well in your walk with Jesus. Maybe you're listening at home here in central Illinois, maybe in your vehicle, or even somewhere on the other side of the world. However you're tuning in or wherever you are, it's my prayer that what you hear helps you to love God, His Word, His Spirit, His Church, and the people you interact with each and every day. Thanks again for listening, and may the grace of God fill your heart as you listen to the following message. Lord, we just come to your Word and ask, Holy Spirit, teach us from the Scriptures who you are. Make known to us. Uh, Holy Spirit, this God-man who is forever an intercessor, teach us, illuminate Scripture, open our ears to hear. Lord, change that dullness of heart into sharpness, into tenderness, God. We want to know you as you are. We want to be taught from the Scriptures by the Holy Spirit tonight. And Just use me as a vessel, Lord. I pray that that my words would just be um, inspired of your Spirit, Lord. And, uh, and just, uh, again, open our ears to hear what you would say to us as individuals tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, this is uh, one of my favorite topics in all of Scripture. And, but I, can only, I only have time to just basically touch on a few things. And I may do a series on this. I haven't really fully decided yet. But I'm just taking the, the first few weeks of the year to kind of touch on various prayer themes, house of prayer themes. And, of course, I teach on prayer throughout the year, but just kind of going over some of the core revelation that uh, really sustains what we do as, as people who pray, as a house of prayer. And this is at the very forefront, or the maybe the foremost of... Okay, Lord touch our child. I was like, <laughs> hopefully my wife had him. She's going to take care of him. But the, the uh, revelation that Jesus is an intercessor or Jesus prays is crucial to a life of prayer and crucial to understanding why he calls his house a house of prayer. And so just going to touch on a few introductory uh, comments here, but, but Jesus is the high priest and he is the chief intercessor over the church. And that is a hugely significant point that we see drawn out mostly in the book of Hebrews, but all through the New Testament. But the, the author of Hebrews really zeroes in on this. Jesus is the ultimate high priest over God's people, and he currently ministers right now. And this is something that kind of escapes many uh, Christians' thinking, so we just got to do more teaching on it. But there's often people who think what we do here at House of Prayer is because of a couple of obscure verses. They go, yeah, we know that Isaiah verse about House of Prayer and Jesus said it, but is that really why you guys do House of Prayer? Well, the, the, there's a lot of good reasons why we do House of Prayer, and those vor- verses are massively important. But there's, there's a, a reality that transcends even the few times the Bible says house of prayer, and I taught on that a, a week or two ago. But there's this, there's this reality that transcends even that, and it's this reality that God himself is praying. 
God Himself is an intercessor. Jesus is up in heaven right now at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for the saints. And again, we don't hear about this a lot uh, throughout church history. This is what mystics were into. And we think, well, if a mystic was into it, then it's probably weird and not for me. But the Holy Spirit's bringing what was mostly studied by mystics and kind of scholars off in the corner. He's bringing it mainstream into his church because this is a crucial revelation for his house being a house of prayer or his people being a praying people. Once we see that Jesus is praying, once we see that the Holy Spirit is an intercessor, when we see that God prays and we make sense of that theologically, we totally shift our Christian living and we go, wow, he's doing it, I do it. And so that's, that's very important. The fact that Jesus prays is why the church prays. Uh, I have a few other introductory comments I won't go too much into other than when the church gets a hold of this. I mean, the church globally understands by Holy Spirit revelation that He's praying. We're going to see it more as a partnership. Right now, prayer is kind of understood as like, yeah, I should do that because there's a verse or two in the Bible, I think, so, but I don't really do it, so I feel bad. But the Holy Spirit is going to shift us so far into maturity that we're going to view prayer biblically that it's a real-time connection with Him. He's up in heaven interceding for things. We're going to tap into that. We're going to you know, be moved by the Spirit to get in alignment with the things that are on His heart. And we're going to see it as, this, as, as truly a real-time connection with Him. He's praying something, so we pray it and we see the breakthroughs. And there's a whole lot that could be said on that. But again, tonight I'm just going to touch on some of the most basic verses on this. But I would encourage you to take this study and just do your own. There's so many uh, you know, verses and truths that, that could really grip your heart on this. Uh, I usually start at Romans 8.27. Romans 8.27 is one of the clearest verses. We're going to go through three or four of them. Romans 8.27, this is Paul, so this is good theology. This is Bible. Paul says, um, and, and this could be explained a little more in depth. I'm going to go sort of fast on it, but not too fast. But Paul wrote, uh, writes in Romans 8.27, he says, uh, He who searches the hearts, and he's talking about Jesus, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. So he's essentially saying, Jesus, who knows the depth of you, and he knows the mind of the Holy He knows what the Holy Spirit's thinking. He knows the depth of you. He knows everything is basically the point there. And then it says this, He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. What he's saying here is uh, Paul's saying, Jesus intercedes. He knows what's in you. He knows what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And so he intercedes for you knowing that. He intercedes for you knowing the will of God for your life. He intercedes knowing the depths of you. He intercedes for you knowing what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. So he's contending for your life in intercession right now, knowing all of that. That's what Paul's saying, which is a ton of theology in one verse. That's so encouraging when you think about that. There is a God-man in heaven 
who is looking down at you. He knows everything, and he's praying with that level of knowledge. I mean, when I pray for, you know, XYZ person, I, I know like three things about them. And I pray for people I don't even know what I don't even know what they need. I mean, that's most intercession for me is, yeah, I heard about a need. And so healing, Lord. And Jesus is like, I'm up at a, <laughs> he knows everything. He knows the very core issue that that person needs. He knows what God the Spirit is wanting to do. And he's interceding for the saints based on that level of knowledge, which is really intense. A few verses later, Romans 8.34 Paul, I think there's just layers to this. Uh, he says, who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. So some basic truths. Christ died and furthermore is also risen. We know that. That's the basic gospel. He's at the right hand of God right now. Again, pretty basic. But then, who also makes intercession for us. So, so. Paul is saying, okay, you guys know the basic gospel. Jesus died for you. He rose again. He ascended to the Father. He's seated at the right hand of God. But that's where most of our gospel understanding stops. We just go, yeah, you know, he died for my sins, and he's up there at the right hand, and I don't really know what he does, though. Paul says, here's what he does. He intercedes for the church. He knows what God wants to do. He knows the depths of the human heart. He's up there at the right hand of God, always praying, always interceding. And I don't fully grasp how he can do this for 8 billion people in the world. I, I don't fully understand the mystery of it. But this is what it says. He always, I'm sorry, I'm skipping ahead, <laughs> who, who also makes intercession for us. We'll see in, in Hebrews, he, he throws in the word always. Now think about this. Jesus is up in heaven at the right hand of God. He's continuing in the ministry of inter intercession. He's not just sitting there. You know, maybe as a, as a new Christian, you kind of heard someone say, yeah, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, and you just kind of imagined a little chair next to God's chair, and he's just kind of sitting there with his know, goblet in his hand and eating pistachios or something. Like, I didn't know what to believe when I first heard that. I just, when I pictured, I'm just like, that's pretty comfortable living. But the, the idea of Jesus being at the right hand of God is not in a, like I'm just sitting there. It's not supposed to be understood as an inactivity. It's, it represents authority. Anybody seated at the right hand of the Father has the supreme authority in the universe. Anybody worthy enough to sit at his right hand, it means there is no one more powerful. And Jesus takes that power and authority and releases intercession with it. And that's how we know the church is going to be okay in the end. That's how we know the church is going to make it. That's how we know God's going to win because God's praying and he will crush the devil through that authority, through that intercession. I mean, we think sometimes, oh, no, the devil's winning because of this or that and something happened in the culture. We have a God-man interceding and he will win. His, his plans and purposes will be accomplished. I mean, when God prays, God answers God's prayers. It will happen. I mean, it's just, it's just going to be. Now, there's going to be between then and, and here and then, there's battles. And it's, it's, you know, it's not to be you know, made light of in, in one sense, but in the other sense, 
The victory is sure. It's finished at the cross. It's been playing out for 2,000 years. And Jesus is praying for the full manifestation of victory. It's going to happen. I love Paul's theology on this. And so just always know when, when you see that reference, right hand of the Father, that's power. I mean, if you're, I mean, let's say you get invited to the, you know, whatever, the White House, and, and the president says, sit right here next to me. That's a place of great honor and authority. And, and so Jesus takes this, and he uses it. He does good with it. He prays with it. The author of Hebrews, um, therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. Look at this, since he always lives to make intercession for them. He always lives to make intercession. I want us to look at the word always. Man. He doesn't sometimes make intercession. Not every once in a while, a couple days a week, I'll get into it. He always lives to make intercession. Put, put yourself in that verse. God is always praying for you. We're going to look at a few verses on this. Maybe you've never thought about this. Jesus, who is your Savior, He's your King, He is your healer and a hundred other things, He's also your intercessor. He is fighting for you in prayer to be fully mature in love He's fighting for you in prayer to be all God has intended you to be and called you to be, and He will never stop praying for that to come forth. You have an elder brother in the faith named Jesus who will never stop contending for you. That's encouraging. We kind of just think like He saved us, and now He's telling you, get your act together and be mature. I'm up here on the, the right hand of God, and I just I died for you, so get your act together. And it's anything but that. He is, he's going, oh, I see the struggle. I see the, the, the trial. I, I lived the life they're living. I get it. But I'm going to pray for them to, to make sure that they make it. <clears throat> he's always praying for you. Now let's just think about some of the implications there. Think about how praying always for the saints, or praying always for the church, praying always, always living to make intercession for the weakest believer, for the strongest believer, for the backslidden believer, for the prodigal believer. He's praying for all of them. I mean, I don't get It's too mysterious for me, but it's real. He's praying for the people we don't really care for. So the people in your life, you're like, eh, I don't know about that guy. Jesus goes, I'm praying for them. I'm interceding for that man. I want them to come closer to me. So partner with me in that. Uh, that person who's lost, I'm praying they come to know me. There's many dimensions to Jesus, the intercessor. So when it says that he makes intercession for the saints, that's me and you. When it says he's making intercession for us, that's, that's the church, that's us. When he's always doing it, I mean, there's just like, oh, wow, we need to understand this is, he's praying Bless you guys. Be healed. 
Now we see there's many scriptures that talk about uh, pray without ceasing or continual prayer or day and night prayer. It makes more sense when we connect it to, ah, oh, it says Jesus is always praying. That, that makes more sense now that the Bible would say pray without ceasing or continual prayer or the many verses that, that allude to stay in that connection of prayer with the Lord because this is how God is. This is what He's like. I love what it says in 1 Timothy 2.1. This is again Paul writing to Timothy. He says, I exhort, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men, everyone, anybody. I want you to be praying for them, Timothy. I want you to be interceding for them. I want you lifting up supplications. I want you to be thanking me for them. Everyone. Even the people you don't like, Timothy. Even the people that get on your nerves, Timothy. Pray for them. Intercede. Give thanks. That's, that's radical. It almost doesn't make sense unless Paul knew, Timothy, I'm trying to tell you, I told the Romans, and I want you to understand, this man prays. This man intercedes. God is an intercessor. One of my absolute favorite stories in the, in the Gospels, it is just so tender. It's just the mercy of God. We know the zealous Peter who had such an exaggerated view of, of his faith. He was like, I'll never deny you, no matter why. You know, he was one of those guys. We were all there at one point, and hopefully we grow out of it. But Peter was the one, I'll never deny you. I'm the dedicated one. I am so on fire for you, Jesus. I, I mean, Peter was so on fire for Jesus that he rebuked Jesus when Jesus said he was going to the cross. I mean, that's just like, whoa, Peter, settle down. This is God. Um, and then Jesus put him in his place. He needed that a time or two. Peter's like, I will never deny you, of course. The more exaggerated our faith, the more quickly we're going to blow it up completely. But I love this moment in Luke 22. Oh, what a... I mean, just think about this tonight. Jesus goes to Peter. I mean, imagine if he comes to you and says this. He goes, Peter, Satan is asking me to sift you like wheat. Satan has come to me and said, I'm going to take out Peter. And Jesus goes, but I want you to know, Peter, I've prayed for you. I've prayed for you that your faith won't fail. And when you've returned to me, strengthen your brethren. That's what he says. I mean, whoa, I'm sure Peter's like, eh, I appreciate that, but I'm dedicated, Jesus. But when Jesus came to Peter and said, hey, Satan wants to take you out. I mean, I'm sure there's some low-level ranking demons that try to mess with me, but the devil himself comes after Peter. And, and Jesus goes, you're about to get some serious warfare, and it is intended to take you out permanently. This man comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He does not mess around. He was, he's coming to kill you. But I just want you to know, Peter, I, God, am praying for you. I, God, am coming in intercession because the enemy is real and he will try to steal, kill, and destroy. But my prayer life 
is far more powerful. And I'm interceding for you, Peter, and I'm interceding for my church, and I'm interceding for people in central Illinois. I am interceding. And so if you ever get to a tough point, just know I'm praying for you. And we see how effectual the prayer life of Christ is. Peter hit a bump in the road, but Peter did okay. I'm telling you, once we get a hold of this, we go through a few bumps in the road, the enemy comes and does his thing and knocks us out for a minute, but then we go, Jesus, I mean, I, he is praying for us, but sometimes I say, Jesus, pray for me. And I know you're praying for me, but I need it. And he goes, you're good, I'm praying for you. And we get back in the game. Peter kind of needed to dust off for a minute, but he ends up becoming one of the mightiest apostles in church history, and he was faithful to give his life in martyrdom. And not everybody's asked to do that, but there was something about Jesus' prayer life that touched Peter. And the prayer life of Christ is touching the church right now, and it will carry the church into glory. And I mean, that you may, I don't know what your thought is on the church right now. It, there's weak pockets. Certainly, we, we're struggling here in America. But Jesus' prayer life, I mean, he is so powerful, and, and the church is going to rise up, and, and, and it's going to be good. We're going to make it. I'm very encouraged. I know that there's, there's areas where the Lord's growing us, but I just see Him praying, and I know we're going to make it. I know the church is going to make it. There's going to be a pure bride. We were just singing about that tonight. There's going to be this global church filled with the glory of God, praying in agreement with Jesus, and man, there's going to be amazing things happening. Sometimes I put myself in stories just to make it more real. Put your name in there. Josh, I'm praying for you. I'm praying that your faith would be strengthened no matter what you've gone through. Chase, I'm praying for you, says the Lord. Whatever you've gone through, I'm contending for you. Just put your name in there. He's doing that for you. And sometimes we think, well, I've blown it. Peter blew it. I mean, here's the thing. Jesus didn't say that to John. We would have thought, well, John's the one Jesus loved. And so, sure, Jesus is praying for John. John never messed up. No, the author of Scripture, the Holy Spirit himself, wanted us to know that he prays for men like Peter who totally blow it and he gets them on their feet again so that they can serve God. I tell you what, we count ourselves out when Jesus has not counted us out. We all go through junk. Everybody in the Bible went through junk. But I'm telling you, we can we see the stories. I mean, Peter hit a hard patch, but man, Jesus is, mm, get back in there. And there was a process of restoration and all that. I mean, it was very quick. And I'm not saying, you know, it's, it looks different for every person, but all we know is Peter denied the Lord. I mean, hardcore. I mean, he was just like, I'm out. I, I'm not in anymore. And Jesus goes, oh, I love when my people go through stuff like that because I'm praying for them. I'm going to get them back in there. And we, we think they're out, but Jesus says no. And so here's the thing. We have to be like Christ to people. <clears throat> When Thomas doubted, when Thomas doubted his faith, Jesus gets right up in front of him and says, touch me. 
I'm real. And when Peter denied his faith, I mean, there's doubting and then there's total denial. For both of them, Jesus is like, get back in there. He didn't count them out forever. Sometimes people do, but God doesn't. And Peter was massively humbled, but he needed to learn that lesson, apparently. And I mean, I was 18 year old. I was an 18 year old, super zealous kid once, and I thought I knew everything. And then you just kind of fall flat on your face long enough to go, Ugh. and then you start finding all the verses where like it took God praying for you to make it. And you're like, Ugh, that's who I am, really. Thought I was like the pre-Peter before he knew anything. And now I'm like, Ugh, yeah, I'm the Peter that needed prayer. That's who I am. And we can all relate to that. Now, just briefly, I'll touch on number three here. When we understand Jesus is an intercessor, he's praying. So Paul says to the Corinthians in his second letter, he says, We all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. From glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. That's a whole lot of thought there. That's a whole lot of theology. The, the, the real basic idea, though, is that when we behold Jesus, we are transformed into His likeness. When we behold Christ, we are transformed. And so here's the, here's the logic. If Jesus is an intercessor, and when we think of Him or we behold Him, and we understand Him as, as a man who prays, then we're transformed into men who pray. If we see, you know, him interceding for the saints and we're understanding him more and more, then that's who we become. And so once again, we look to Jesus and I mean, mostly through the Bible, I'm kind of looking up there like he, he is up there. <laughs> but we look at to him and the more we understand him and we behold his glory by revelation, that's what we become like. And so any area you want to become like Jesus, just Jesus, you are love. I want to see your love so that I'm transformed into being a loving person like Christ. If you want to understand his healing, you see he's a healer. So I want, Lord, I want my life to be a life of compassion and healing. But one that's often neglected is this idea of him being a man of prayer. When we see in the scriptures, not only in the past did he pray, but that he's currently praying then we're transformed into his likeness to be men and women of prayer. One of the uh, neat men of God of church history, this is uh, Robert Murray M. Shane. He's from the 19th century. He's actually died at 29, very young. He, he lived in uh, Scotland. He was a Scottish minister and he wrote extensively in his 20s. And then he died when he was 29, uh, tragically. But he has incredible insight. And one of his quotes that is just one of my all-time favorites, he says here, he says, If I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. Yet distance makes no difference. He is praying for me. <laughs> I love that. He's like, if, if, if you could, you know, if Jesus was in the door, uh, you know, in the room next door, and you could just... Oh my gosh, that's what he's praying for me? Whoa! Like we'd be so bold. We'd be so encouraged. We would not be fearful. And what he's saying is, yeah, he's not next to He's up in heaven. 
And I can't hear it, but I, I know he's praying for me. And so I draw strength from that. It's such a radical insight. And so I love that quote. And so that's, that's the long and short of the message tonight. Jesus is an intercessor. He's making intercession for me and you. He's making intercession for the saints, for the church. I believe he's play, praying for the lost. Uh, I believe there's so many dimensions of prayer that he's uh, engaging in, and it's probably far more complex than we understand. But the God who knows everything, who knows how it ends, he knows everything, and yet he's still praying. Uh, one of my favorite pictures of that is when Lazarus died. Uh, Jesus knew he'd be raised from the, the dead, but he still wept and he still prayed. And so there's many pictures of this. Jesus knows what's going to happen in the ultimate sense, and yet he still is like, oh, Lord, I thank you. You're going to do this. Love. And he still prays. And so we, we see that we do that. We know that you know Jesus is going to win and the church is going to win and the devil is defeated, but we live as intercessors, releasing his purposes, and we see miracles because of it. Amen. For more messages like this one, please visit our online teaching library at gphop.org teachings. If you found this free material helpful in your walk with God, please prayerfully consider a generous donation. To give, please visit gphop.org donate. That's gphop.org donate. Thank you, and may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you today.